This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of All Things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids. The podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. I'll tell you right now, if this guest and this topic doesn't get you to listen to an episode of Solve It for Kids... We don't know what will. (laughs) This is going to be an outstanding episode. What problem are we solving today? Do all jellyfish have stinging snot? (laughs) Do all jellyfish have stinging snot? Now, that is a really, really interesting question that probably most people would not even think to ask. Who is our guest today, Jeff? Luckily, we have the guest that has answers to the questions we're going to ask. She is the wonderful Jenny Jansen. She is assistant curator at the National Aquarium. She is also president and co-founder of Mayas, Minorities in Aquarium and Zoo Science. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you so much. It's good to meet both of you. Yeah, we are thrilled to have you. And yes, we get to talk about aquariums and oceans, which, as Jeff said, is like my favorite part. Love space, too, but love oceans. So I love to start out with, did you always, as a kid, love the ocean and the ocean creatures? You know, I was fortunate to have access to the ocean, Uh, but honestly... My fascination started with sharks and it was oh. sharks on TV. It oh, was wow. okay. going to the ocean on summer vacation or, you know, even being, you know, near the water or near a river, but seeing shark programs on TV as a kid, I was like, oh my gosh, they're fascinating. And they kind of gave me goosebumps when I would watch them. And the National Aquarium was actually our local aquarium and so oh, I nice the national aquarium you know we were fortunate enough to have a membership yeah. and I would always go sit down in front of the shark tank where it was kind of dark and they would swim oh, by I love that I would get as close to the windows as I can <laughs> and hope that their faces went right by me and I would <laughs> until it kind of gave me the willies yeah it was so much fun they were just so cool you would look at them and look at their muscles and it's like they're so sleek and just like perfect and beautiful and just they swim with almost no energy right motion it's it's incredible yeah yes i think you are talking directly to a whole bunch of our audience kids (laughs) and adults because i think we all put our face right up to it i've got a question specifically about that When you're staring into those tanks, typically the sharks are not in tanks by themselves. What caught your eye about the sharks versus something else, some other kind of fish or mammal in the tank? You know, I mean, so the particular species, a lot of the particular species that we see in a lot of aquariums throughout the U.S. are the sand tiger sharks. Yes. And they tend 
to swim super duper slow, which means they you did. can easily walk with them, ah, keep right with ah, them, get like yeah, right okay. and track with them. You can get a really good look at their eyes. They also swim with their mouth a little bit agape with their teeth kind of hanging out. Oh, so really, oh yeah. You know, those snaggle teeth and which are pretty <laughs> they, intimidating, you know. They as look a, fierce, right? But they they're the, but sand tigers are not that fierce, are they? I mean, they can certainly do a lot of damage, but they are not, <laughs> those, they're not that fast swimming predator right. game fish that you usually think of. But you know, okay. in their own neck of the woods. They're a predator, so you <laughs> oh, yeah. know. I, definitely, definitely. What a, what a great characteristic to have noticed that they're slow, so you were able to learn and see more about them as they were swimming by. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So, and I will just bring up: Have you ever looked at their skin? Their skin, those scales that they have. Yes, not close enough. I have their teeth. <laughs> yes. Look yes. how crazy is that? Having it's, your teeth all over your body. It's it's amazing. So I'm curious, since you were this close to the aquarium, did you end up as a kid or as a teenager or young adult kind of working there as a volunteer or anything? Is that how you got into this? Or can you not tell us initially. About that? Not initially. I had when I was in high school and I looked into it, but the scheduling right. for you know the commitment that they had wanted didn't match what I was able to do so that right. wasn't something I was able to take advantage of but through the membership you know we would get like newsletters and things and I was always kind of oh, keeping yeah. on the activities and not that I participated a lot but just kind of was always aware and a fan right of the organization okay. but it wasn't until I was in college because even at that you know growing up right you know I'm Chinese American I was born in Maryland and in our culture, in the culture of our family, it was being a shark biologist was not a real <laughs> You know, yeah. I think in most families, that's probably not a realistic goal. But certainly in yeah. my family, it was like, no, you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a nurse or maybe somebody's wife. You know, right. um, yes. You know, yeah, shark biologist doesn't make that list very yeah. often. No, no, because that's only things that people on TV do. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't until I went to college and then I was taking some biology courses as sort of my foundational classes. Right. And one of the teachers happened to be a fan of sharks. And oh, wow. It. So awesome. I taught him after class and I was like, hey, I also love sharks. And so we sat and chatted about our geekiness about sharks. And nice. then I was like, no, nice. I have a friend who is studying shark parasitology at the Tennessee Aquarium because I was doing college and I'm just outside of Chattanooga. Okay. So right in the neighborhood. And he was like, yeah, do you want to meet him? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yeah. So he introduced me to him. I went to his office. We chit chatted about sharks. And then he just off the cuff offered me a research internship. Oh, nice. Nice. It I didn't know what an internship was. Right. Yeah. Okay. I never heard the term before. And I feel like, you know, at the time that I was going through school, internships were not a very common thing. Yeah. They only and have so, been in the last. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, of course I'd love to do it. And then after I got home and again, we don't have Google then. So it's like right. I went home and I was like, what is an internship? <laughs> the shark guy was going to invite me to do something. And I was How like, yes. cool. That is That's really amazing. cool. Okay. Yeah. How did you meander from sharks to jellyfish? 
Yeah. So after, (laughs) (laughs) after much schooling, but then I actually started working in an aquarium, got to work with sharks. Wow. My dream of swimming with sharks every day for pay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Eventually. Yes. I was working at the Georgia Aquarium and I had the privilege of working on being one of the senior aquarists and aquarists people who take care of aquariums and the animals within them and all of the plumbing and the life support and the feeding and everything to do with their care. I was one of the senior aquarists on their whale shark exhibit. And after several Uh, years, so much to talk about, but eventually there opened up another senior aquarist position in another area of the aquarium. And so Uh just to broaden my knowledge, because now I've been with sharks for like 10 years. Wow. I was like, Let's switch into another area, at least get a change of scenery, work with some slightly smaller exhibits. <laughs> just, can okay. small. Yeah, slightly smaller. Plumbing smaller and, than uh, the whale sharks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, instead of buffer editions of 50 and 100 pound bags of bicarb. Instead, oh, exactly. Yeah, you know, we can actually, you know, measure things out myself and, you know, not so many cooks in the kitchen, but switch to another gallery and wow. Work gifted the world's largest jelly chrysal and a chrysal wow is the term for a a jelly holding tank or it could be a plankton holding tank okay okay it is designed with rounded walls so that things that live in the midwater that don't swim so much but more drift around in the midwater don't land on the bottom Ah. so they're round Ah. so that you keep things up in the water column. Oh, that, yeah. no that kidding. is so cool. I mean, that makes sense. Yes, because they don't have the ocean currents and all that kind right. of stuff in a tank. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. There's so that. much engineering that goes into a jelly chrysal. And there are a bunch of different kinds of chrysals. But oh, oh, so we're gonna have to different. we're gonna have to talk about that later. Because yes. hello, engineering and, yes. and aquariums. That's awesome yeah well first can i tell you that we've had one of the georgia aquarium aquarists on here who works with sharks excellent and i have been able to visit georgia aquarium behind the scenes and see how the sharks were taken care of and see them feed the whale sharks which i, I could sit in front of that tank for about eight hours like oh, it'd be like easy. it'd be like ma'am it's time to close you know no. you, need to, you need to go we used but, to have our morning meeting there every day and it oh was my like, gosh nice. it would go by in an instant it's amazing it, it was but so great i also nice. love yeah. jellyfish i yes. i have always loved jellyfish they're so mesmerizing to watch they are um and so the aquarium that i went to as a kid was shed aquarium uh-huh. in Chicago, yes. which is also amazing. Great. So, okay. Now, cause we can talk about aquariums all the time. Sure. Your question is about, do all jellyfish have stinging snot? And I saw <laughs> this, I saw this in a paper that you've researched that you've done. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know a lot, not like everything about jellyfish, but I've never heard of stinging snot. What is yes. this? Yes. It is hilarious, which is wonderful <laughs> because it is stinging snot, and yet it is also high caliber science. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Listeners, did you hear how her voice changed <laughs> to yeah. make that sound more academic? That's awesome. Because that's what we have to do. It's like right. you. I mean, we are the true geeks 
of the world. Yeah. And when you yes. find something that yes. is incredible and cool, you're like, this is nuts and amazing. It is. We need to tell everybody. And then we change our writing style. Exactly. Exactly. To make sure that we are being professional. <laughs> Why, well, yes, yeah. we are. Yes, um, we continue. are. In a defined format, which is, you know, all good. But also, yes, it's stinging snot. Not all jellies have stinging snot, which is okay. I think okay. the reason why it had not been described yet. That makes sense. It was one of those things where, you know, as an aquarist working in an aquarium, you know, you've got your hands working in the water with the animals yes. all the time. Yes. Right. Yes. Them, you're cleaning their exhibits. Sometimes you're moving them around. Yes, jellyfish. The ones that are of the stinging variety, they do sting. So, you know, okay. we will use gloves sometimes. But if we are careful and we're not actually touching them, right. we can put our hands in the water, you know, and not get stung. However, okay. yeah. anybody in an aquarium who has worked with upside down jellies for any period of time right. knows that, you know, if you're working in their exhibit, even if you don't touch them, because they sit on the bottom. Again, oh, okay, okay. Their bells are on the bottom. They're on the floor. Okay. And their tentacles are up. Oh my gosh. Because they have that, the dinoflagellate, you know, we've heard of like zodiac belly, sort of like corals. That lives in their tissues. And so they turn upside down. Oh my gosh. The sunlight, similar to the corals. Yes. Yes. Jellies are very closely related to corals. So they can have better access to that sunlight. So you can see those upside down jellyfish, which are Cassiopeia genus. Those Cassiopeia, you'll see them in the mangrove areas, like in Florida, where the mangroves, they're shallower. Right, right, right. Have their roots in the salt water and the sandy beds. But their top greeny and woody parts are up out of the water, getting the full sun. Those Cassiopeia will be down between the roots. Those areas have that slower moving water because right, of the right, growth protecting right. and creating that shelter. Yeah. They also create great shelter for, you know, juvenile fish that are growing up. They're oh great my gosh. Towns, and those Cassiopeia are there soaking up the sunlight. Okay. And because they are in that area, they also have access to those very little fish that can also be food sources for them. Oh. But we don't know how they derived this or like why, but being an aquarist working with Cassiopeia, I could be scrubbing their window or gravel washing the tank and working with them. And then after I put the tools away, then I'm like, okay, my arms are burning. My forearms are burning. What oh, is gosh? But you never touched the jellyfish. But I never touched them. Yeah. And you also go back and look at the tank and you can kind of see the webs of snot in the water. Oh my what? gosh. Because as you work around them and right. kind of turn yes. them up, disturb yeah. it, they start exuding the snot. And, you know, I always kind of look at it like, I'm sorry, I woke you up. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're a little upset at me, whatever. But, you know, it makes you really think. It's like, oh, well, if there's a school of fish going by, oh. well, then it's not. If I can incapacitate somebody. Yes. Then I, then and then they'll dinner. just kind of drift then, down to me. That, that's dinner, right? Right. That's, yeah. Right. Oh so, my gosh. The crazy thing is, so they have this snot. And if you like try and net it out, I mean, it's goo, it's snot. Yeah. If you look at it under a microscope, there are individual cells in the snot that are what are stinging. 
Oh and my gosh. That's yes. insane. And those cells have their own zoxanthellae. You know, they're they are syn- photosynthetic of themselves. So they're oh my their gosh. Own and they are motile, self-motile, meaning that they can swim themselves around. These little tiny cells. Cells. So they have not been described before, which any public aquarium aquarist who has worked with Cassiopeia knows this phenomenon. Well, has has felt it is what you're saying. There are. Experienced (laughs) it. And so, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I for sure thought everybody's got to know about this. Surely somebody has looked at this. So I never even thought of it. But we have a partnership, a collaboration with... The Jelly Crew at the National Museum of Natural History at the Smithsonian. Right. And we periodically do field trips to just yeah, like, hey, yeah, let's yeah. peek out together. And, you know, we've done periodic research projects together. And on one of their trips, we were going through the exhibit and it was like, oh, yeah, we just grab a wash. So they're, you know, the stinging snot is up. And they were like, stinging snot. And I was like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. They they're didn't like, know about it. That? And it was like, no, we've ne- no, we've never actually looked under the scope at that. And so it was like, let's slurp some up, and you know, <laughs> we do? Like, let's just That's look at what's in the awesome. gravel, take pictures and videos. And so they went back, and they were like, you know what? They're like, you know, we've totally seen this before, where you go out into the right, field right. and you kayak or whatever, you put your hands in the water, or you go, you're walking around out in the mangroves or whatever, and you get stung if you're right. not covered. Right. And it's like, but you, you always kind of figure, oh, well, is it the salt? Is it something else? Not sure. really sure. Right. Sure. I am setting, that's the only animal in there. Oh, that's right. Of yeah, exactly. Right. You know, there's other microbes and things. Yeah, but, but that is generally yeah. the only animal in there that this is from. We know that this is from this animal. So they were like, well, let's look at it. So they went back and did a literature search. Nothing in the literature that's incredible that's incredible because jellies have probably been studied for many many years many many years so this is fascinating yes listeners (laughs) jen and i have our mouths agape with all of our teeth out just going wow after wow for this story but i want to know when you geeked out, and A, I love listeners, I think you might have skipped over it. So I have to just reiterate you can have a career by doing <laughs> what Jenny just said, which is let's slurp up some stinging snot. Yes. And study it. <laughs> yes. That's what she does as a career, and she's awesome. So <laughs> when you slurped it up and studied it, what did you find? when you were studying it? And is there anything in there that says why just these types of jellies have it? So I will tell you, so this is the beauty of collaboration because working in aquarium, our primary job is to take care of the animals. And by having the collaboration with the Smithsonian, they have more of the analytical tools. Ah, yes, yes, that makes sense. And the expertise and the all the fancy fun lab toys. So we have <laughs> yes. the source where they it's like, hey, let's look at this snot. And they also had Cassiopeia that they are taking care of. Right. Okay. They right. hadn't thought to, you know, so we looked at the and it's like there are cells in here and there wow. are cells in the snot. That's mind blowing, honestly. Really That's right. not something you ever expected to see, I'm imagining. Right. I mean, I can't say I've ever looked at snot underneath the snow. <laughs> but 
<laughs> well, but we yeah, don't have stinging stuff in our snot, so you exactly. Know. <laughs> um, so or it might be stinging someone else, but we shouldn't find that out. You know, so luckily for us, we had this partnership, and so the Smithsonian crew took it. They looked at it. They did wow. a deep dive. There was a student who was working on, you know, a couple of students were working on their master's degrees, going towards their PhDs. So they set Ooh. them on the task. I was going to um, say, that's like the perfect, yeah. <laughs> the perfect yeah. PhD research. Yeah. Wow. And believe it or so, you know, the stinging cells, you know, because they are cnidarian, starting with a C, right. which the corals are part of, that the yes. jellies that's are part of. Those are yep. the stinging group of animals. There is a conference called Nido Fest again, starting with a silent C. Wow! Uh, so they presented a poster about our stinging snot at Nido Fest one Were year. Were you guys like inundated because people hadn't really <laughs> seen all this before? I mean, it was such cool stuff, and eventually it was published, which is the paper that probably the paper that you saw. And yes. as it was getting published, when we had the publication date. There was this whole process of like the marketing teams. It's like there's going to be oh, yeah. an embargo of the information until such a date. <laughs> That's there like how they do for book release that went yes. out. <laughs> oh yeah. And so people had like done interviews so that when the paper came out, yep. multiple magazines and outlets. It was like I think it was picked up by the you know Forbes and the Sci-Fi. Oh yeah. Something they were like. Science Friday, NPR probably had it. it Yeah, all different places picked it up. It was a little bit insane. It was so cool. And it's so great to have such excitement in the general public, as well as completely non-science related news outlets. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's what's cool is when the science makes the world all around. That's what's amazing. Interesting things. You know, it's like this might not affect your life directly. And and yet it might. (laughs) It might. Um, It might the next time you go to the beach. (laughs) I mean, you never know. Okay. So I have to ask what probably all of the kids are thinking. What does it feel like when you're stung? Like, is this a burning sensation or is this a, oh my God, my arm hurts so bad it's going to fall off sensation? <laughs> it depends on the jelly. Really? It depends ah. on the jelly. Okay. And it depends on where you got stung and it depends on how many different oh. things you got. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it really does depend. And then, of course, there are individual people have different. Oh, true. Those are things you need to think of, but we've definitely seen, you know, anecdotally, definitely where, you know, the jellyfish at the aquarium, they definitely do sting. But, you know, there's this conversation where it's like aquarists are like, yeah, I get stung at work. But man, if I I actually go out to the beach, I get stung way worse. So it's like they're Uh, okay. And, And what is causing that? Is that an effect of you know, multiple generations that we have at the aquarium or the conditions. Oh, yeah. You know, because that's at the aquarium, we keep things very stable. Yes. You know, it's yes. all about optimizing yes. for the animals. In the wild, it's like, and we have a heat wave and there's a hurricane coming and all these variables. <laughs> that, you know, and there's all like, these things that, yeah, upset the you jellies. Know, or that, you know, we feed them foods that are, you know, easier for them to digest or whatever it is that are nutritionally optimal that, you know, they don't have to work as hard to <laughs> yeah. spray. Whereas right. like out in the wild, they were like, we're going to hit it with everything we got because I want the meal. <laughs> there you go. Um, you never, there you, go. you know, those are ans- questions that we don't know how to answer, but we do see kind of an anecdotal, which is just storytelling between professionals of yes. 
yeah, this is what I've experienced and I've experienced this, but not anything really examined in a scientific or data-driven But certainly there are certain kinds of jellies that can just kill you. Oh, yeah. Those exist. (laughs) Right. We try to not keep those at the aquarium for, you know, <laughs> reasons. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Anyone's spouse or their, you know, parents, whatever it is. Uh, Bob, after this morning's meeting, <laughs> yeah. it's your turn to feed yeah. that jelly over there. Yeah, <laughs> yep, 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 definitely. But we do, you know, they're stinging jellies. We do want to make sure we have precautions. Yes. And of course, we have first aid kits like anywhere of else. Course, of course. Right. But, when uh, you were describing the jellies that are on the bottom, forgive me, I'm the name is slipping out of my head. Upside down. Okay. That is the common name. You described how you had your hand in the tank and you mm-hmm. weren't touching them, mm-hmm. but you didn't feel the sting until you took your arm out of the tank. No. So it wasn't an immediate thing. It was not, which is one of those kind of, I think, things where you're like, what could it have been? Because it was not immediate, could right. it have been something I did after? It was not more than maybe a couple of minutes. Okay. But it begs the question of what causes the stinger to trigger. Yes. Is there a delayed reaction in the stinger triggering for humans? You know, what is it? But certainly for me, you know, it was like after I was done doing the work or maybe it was because I was slowing down and now I'm like, what is happening? But it was never enough in the moment to like, oh, I need to get my hands out. That was Okay. Okay. And certainly on your hands, certainly the fronts of your hands, your palms, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, your skin's thicker because that's yes. you touch the world with. Right. You know, whereas if I'm working with other jellies that have a more distinct sting. Right. Um, that is a little bit more what seems purposeful. Yes. Like if I get a nut, if I have a nettle that gets its tentacle on the back of my hand, ooh, I feel that right away. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that one is like, prick, burn, ah, pull my hand back, you know, okay. and those for me, I will actually like develop an itch, like a oh, mosquito bite. Yeah. So, and okay. I'll get a little raised there's, bump. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. such a wide variety of yeah. what can happen, all from jellyfish. Yeah. Yes. They're just that different. Uh, and what? there are some kinds of jellyfish that do not sting because what is very hmm. interesting about the group of animals that we call jellyfish is that they are not one group of animals. No. They are in, if you, think, ah, yes. if you think of like, you know, animal, you know, if you think of kingdom, phylum, right. you know, order, they are in multiple phyla. Okay. Yes. They are yep. not all cnidarians. If nope. you think of jellyfish in your head and what that might be, there are some of the jellyfish are also tenophores, which are, you know, they actually do not sting. So wow. they're not okay. part of the cnidarian group. And they're also super duper cool. Oh, I think. (laughs) Talk about bringing it back to the super geeky science. I know. And again, Tina 4 is Tina 4 with a silent C in front. I don't know why we love that, but silent C in front. (laughs) (laughs) No, jellyfish. I mean, I've always been fascinated. When I was a kid, my parents took us down to Clearwater Beach a long time ago. And I got stung by, I didn't know what I got stung by, but we took me right to the lifeguard and he said it was probably a Portuguese man of war and they put some kind of paste on there yep. or whatever. And it kind probably of took baking soda back in the yeah, day. It was, I think it was that, okay. and, but that one I felt like you feel the oh, yeah. ping, you know, yep. and then you're like, Whoa, ouch. So, but I've I'm, also been stung by one of those. Yeah. They're not fun. 
That yeah. one hurts for a little while. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one hurts. Yeah. That one is like someone, I need assistance. And not yes. because your body is shutting down. No, like, it just. I'm getting out of the water. I don't know where this... that is, but I don't want to do that again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but I'm curious, are they doing more research now that they learn this about these upside down jellyfish? Are they trying to figure out what's in the, you know, like the stinger and all that kind of stuff to are they gonna... There are definitely more and more papers coming out that are referencing cool. for a variety of different topics. So there's a lot of different kinds of research that kind of comes That's back. amazing. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that's one of those things that's great about, you know, publishing peer-reviewed sciences because when it goes out there, then there are all these tendrils right. of knowledge and research where it's like, oh, this thing that they said relates to mine or their project gave exactly. me yeah, And now I'm going to reference that. Yes. Or they yes. found this interesting tidbit that actually gives me a different way of thinking about this other thing that I'm studying. And it's so, exactly. so So that actually, you're so smart, Jenny. That actually leads right into the question I wanted to ask, which is since the discovery and under a slightly better understanding now of this stinging snot in jellyfish, have any other animals exhibited this trait? Has anyone else figured out, oh, well, this kind of fish or this kind of mite, and oh, hey, we found it, or not yet? I have not read about it, but we did find that more than just the Cassiopeia that we were studying right. do have it. We looked at a few oh, okay. the jellies, that, ah. you know, that we had access to to say, do you have these cells? Do you have these cells? There were a couple of other species that we happened to look at that did, but there were certainly some that did not. Wow. So we wow. Find them. That's very and cool. So whether very or cool. not, you know, we look at, I think it's going to become one of those things as people are, because people are still discovering new species of jellies yes. that have never been described before. Exactly. And now that we have the tool of looking at DNA and sequencing that we can say, we right. thought that these two animals were the same species, but now that we've actually looked at DNA. Yeah. Right. They're not. The yep. Species. Yep. It's amazing. That opens up, that yeah. opens up a whole new lane of questioning. Yeah. Exactly. And so as you're looking at those animals and sort of re-describing them, then that becomes one of those things that you start to ask. If you have access to an animal that is a lot, that has, that you can observe the ability of them yes. exuding this snot or yes. that they're just in there and you can sample the water to see if there is snot at a much less snotty level, but are they, yes, are they exactly these cells? Routinely, right, you're right. looking for patterns and you're Correct. looking for all of the different things. You're looking it's for another instigations, right? Like what causes it to come off and, oh yeah, there's all these things you can do. Well, I want to shift a little bit here. I want you to tell us a little bit about how everyone can come visit the National Aquarium and also mention your minorities in aquarium and zoo science and what that is all about. Yes, absolutely. So National Aquarium is in Baltimore, Maryland. It is. It is down in the Inner Harbor. It is a beautiful place to be. We are on Pier 3 and you just come down there. We have memberships. If you live in Maryland, there are lots of different kind of Maryland discounts because as we all know, when stuff is kind of accessible to you, you kind yes. of get to take advantage of it. Yeah, that can um, happen. Yes. Yeah. So for like the work, you know, for the workers out there, you know, we will do, you know, like Fridays after five, start your week 
weekend, make it like date night. And as you know, in the ocean, when it starts to go into the evening, the community kind of shifts a little bit. Yes, yes, exactly. Later in the day, you might see the animals maybe in a different place than right. Time or doing slightly different behaviors than you've seen before, which is really cool. But it's a great way, and they do it at a reduced price so that it makes it an accessible thing. Right. They also do, you know, different discounts for you know Maryland residents who want to come in during the week, during the weekdays, yeah. on, in the mornings, get in before like the school groups or the crowds come in, and you know just enjoy your neighborhood community aquarium. Yeah. Or, time, or visit it's a world-class it. World-class facility. It is. Or or yeah. visit it. I was just there with my husband earlier this summer. We yeah. I was up there for a book conference and we had a free day and we were like, oh, we're going to the aquarium. Yeah. So it's really beautiful facility too. Thank beautiful. you. Beautiful. Yeah. It's so great because there's always something for everyone. It is. You know? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a place where you can go and enjoy the beauty. It's like you can see the animals, you can see them up close, watch what they're doing. See animals you never even knew existed. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know, That's see fascinating. What a snippet of the world would look like in a place that you might never go to. You yeah, know, it's learn amazing. about like stinging snot. I don't think we we don't have any stinging snot signage anywhere. But <laughs> learning <laughs> interesting things about these animals you never like humans don't do this. Why would right. I? Ever, animal does. That's this. Fantastic. Yes. And you know, it's just. It's a joyful, uplifting, educational, in a not yes. like, beat you over the head with it kind of way. Yes. You know, learning Excellent. is fun and it's a wonderful day. Nice. Yes. And everyone who works there is just focused on the animals and their environments and is so passionate about everything. Yes. Jenny, yeah. what's Maya's? So Maya's is Minorities in Aquarium and Zoo Science. And it is a nonprofit organization that I founded two years ago oh. to help bring more diverse perspectives and cultures and people into the aquarium and zoo science world. Fantastic. Because Sounds great. I have been in the aquarium field for like 20 years, and I love this community and this field and this career so much. It shows. And yes, I, definitely. Thank you. You know, and I look around the community, but I also haven't seen it shift much in demographics. And yes, reached out to me and noted she was like, you know, I keep I see this and I feel like we're perpetuating a thing, not necessarily knowing that we're perpetuating a thing. So like it's on purpose, but not intentionally. Yes, that can happen. What can we do to change that because I feel like there are so many great minds because in the world of conservation, which is what aquarium and zoo science is all about. Yes, it is. Exactly. Is we need good and smart solutions. We need to engage all types of people. How do we do that if we're not actually involving or engaging all types of people? Yes. So, yes. That yes. is the problem. Exactly. Yeah. So, so this sounds like a great bingo. organization. Yeah. yeah. And it's been really great because as you know, I've been a manager now for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so having the Animal Experience Foundation and then also now a management experience of being right. a hiring manager, what is the process that we go through to find people, to recruit people, the selection process, the interview process, people asking, how do we get into these careers? And what people typically say, 
But is the answer that we're giving how we all got into it, or is it actually is the answer actually the most efficient way to get it there? Exactly. Different answers. They are. They are. So, yes. We could talk to you forever <laughs> because I love talking about aquariums and everything, but we do have to end this episode. So our last question that we always like to ask all of our guests is what challenge do you have for our listeners? I'm curious to hear mm. what your challenge is, Jenny. I would like to challenge everyone to go look up what, see if you can find five different kinds of jellyfish. Oh, okay. And within that, See if you can find one that does not sting. Ah. Oh. Cool. Because there are definitely more than one. Because jellyfish can be found in salt water, in fresh water, in brackish water, in warm water, in cold My water. Gosh, everywhere. They're they everywhere. Have all different body shapes. <laughs> they have different colors, different sizes. And okay. they are very surprised. This is fantastic. Okay. Oh my so, gosh. All right. This has been a truly intriguing yes. and fantastic chat. Thank you so much for being on Solve Thank for Kids, you, Jenny. Jenny. Thank you so much for inviting me. And that is why we have to ask the questions that not too many people <laughs> know to ask. That's right. That's what right. A fabulous episode. Oh my goodness. I guarantee a whole bunch of listeners are going to be looking up jellyfish and learning more about them, which is good because Jenny's challenge leads us right there of finding and looking up five different types of jellyfish and at least one of them that's not a stinger. Yes. Oh my gosh. This was so cool. I mean, I love jellyfish and I've always watched them and I had no idea they had stinging snot. Of course, I am not the one sticking my arm into the tank with them. <laughs> so that kind of makes that, that kind of makes sense. And my one experience with jellyfish, not so great. So, you know, <laughs> but I love watching them because they're just beautiful, beautiful oh, creatures. Fascinating to watch. So I wanna know if you guys go out and do the challenge. What's your favorite jellyfish too? Like, do you have a favorite one? Right. And then share it with us on social media. We are at Kidsolve at Facebook, Instagram, and X. And we always have a page for each episode on our website, solveitforkids.com. So make sure you check that out as well. But I also challenge you all to go to your nearest aquarium. Ask your parents to take you to an aquarium in person if you can. If not, there's a lot of these aquariums have video cameras that you can watch and see how many jellyfish you can see. And I'm gonna add on to that, these jellyfish conversation was so fun. Find out more about how they take care of the jellyfish and maybe even dive all the way into why are they so important in the oceans and the ecosystems yeah, where they absolutely, live. Absolutely, absolutely. Jen and I will be doing it. Until <laughs> next time, you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve, Solve it, it for kids. kids.